The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rockville Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. I am still here. You're still here, but you're headsetless. Headsetless. I know. Is that like a bad omen thing? Do we have to worry about that? Yeah, it's because the headsets don't work. It's Friday the 13th. With a full moon. With a full moon. Yeah. It's the harvest moon. Uh Uh-oh. We all better just stop what we're doing right now. And go harvest. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say the other one. That would not Moon, be good, is folks. Is a good day for mooning? <laughs> good day for mooning, right. Hey. Grease is over. On, on, right. yeah. is, that's on that's live Facebook, that's a good day for mooning. <laughs> no, sorry, folks. Uh, that was the voice of Andrew Kuhlman, and we also have Zoe Vanderhaar here. And I can't believe that these two people are telling me they're nervous. That They're is, both theater people. I know. Come on. They're supposed to be able to jump up on this table, do a song and dance. You know. You haven't asked me to do that yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you use the word yet. <laughs> <laughs> now, Zoe has a lot of experience doing song and dance. I do. I would. I, I, when I read this, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Two years touring in the first international company of a chorus line. Yes. Wow. Yes, I was much younger. (laughs) We all were younger. It was a fabulous experience, and the timing was perfect. It was, um, I got to work with Michael Bennett. Wow. It was sort of the end of the the very first excitement of it. That's how old I am, yes. And you you were touring in the United States and Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, and you had your car with you, right? How do you know all this? I've done my background work. I, not, don't look at me. <laughs> That's very fascinating. Arnold, yes, I have Arnold my car. knows things about people that you would be amazed. <laughs> Okay, that's kind of creepy. That's Friday the 13th kind of creepy. <laughs> yes, uh, it was wonderful to have your car uh, because then I got to do all the touristy things and, and uh, travel the country. So whereabouts, what cities were you in? Just the large major metropolitan areas? or Mostly, yes. Okay. All over. All over the, the states, Canada. Detroit was not my favorite. That was the one city where my car, my Volkswagen convertible, where somebody cut the top oh, off and oh. stole all of my wedding gifts. It was right after I got married. Oh, bummer. Oh, no. Other than that, it was a fabulous experience. There you go. And you went to high school, not at Webster Groves High, but... In Webster Groves. Yes, at Narinx. Did right. you? Oh, wow. Narinx Hall. I'm a Webster girl. Went to Mary Queen of Peace, Narinx Hall. Did all the good Catholic things. Good Catholic which, thing. Which makes this even more special because we're a local radio station, community radio station I love here, that. And we love promoting a lot of the things that go on locally here. And just to give you, uh, uh, our listeners, a little bit more background, you've been a member of Stages family for 32 years. You portrayed Mama Rose and Gypsy. You were Mame, Dennis in Mame, Dolly Levi in Hello Dolly, got the Kevin. Man, you have had like all of the major roles, right? Well, I've I've been very lucky to have what I call the trifecta. Those three roles to me are dream roles for any any female actress. But I am basically a character actress. Um, I that's a lesson I learned at Narinx Hall. Um, an interesting story. Well, it is to me. My senior year of high school, we were doing Fiddler on the Roof. And I wanted to be the dancing daughter and or the singing mother. 
She was a great Tevya, though. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gave it away. Um, but I did not get cast in those, and I was mortified. Um, and it was my first real lesson to learn about the puzzle pieces of casting. And yes, you can dance. Yes, you can sing. Yes, you could have played those roles. But you're a really good character actress. So I wound up playing Yenta, the matchmaker. And that was really the first time I had ever played a role that didn't have a song or dance to fall back on. And so I, I learned the joys of character actress, and I would not be working if I had not learned that. If I was just a singer-dancer, I would clearly be unemployed. So after high school, did you go to college to major in theater? I did not. Um, I was planning on going on to Webster. Um but then my senior year of high school, I also learned that I have some major anxiety in classroom situations. Mm-hmm. I had to drop out of theater and mm-hmm. speech because getting up in front of a class was really devastating to me. I couldn't do it. And I, my sister went to Webster, and I knew what it, what you would have to do. I just knew I couldn't do it. Now, now here we have – I want to interrupt you because here we have one of the most prominent actresses in St. Louis – who is like what I would say the queen of actresses has done multiple roads, uh, roles at the Sheldon, at you know as, as stages again. Uh, were, were you at the Muni? The Muni. I work okay. at the Muni and okay. the Rep. So yeah. the Rep. So she, she's she's very well known in St. Louis area. So how do you get from being scared to perform in front of people to the notoriety that you have in all of these roles and the acclaims that you received? Well, I'm not scared on stage. There's the difference. Okay. When, when you have a script and you become somebody else and you're up on stage. Um, I was talking earlier about my first professional show was, was doing hair. And I had no problems. Well... Taking my I was clothes say, off, stripping down. Yeah. <laughs> um, stripping down, golly. Well, you've got that wall there. You're not you. So I think I just have the anxiety about being me and maybe not being. Now, see, hair, that would have been the part for me. I mean, because I saw hair. would have hair. been a part for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> I could see where, you know, when you got to the part where you had to drop your clothes, that that would be one that would be a little bit difficult. I mean, like, how often did you practice that? Oh, a lot. And it was handled very well. Uh, it started off slowly, and it was not mandatory. And we started the process in a closed room with only the cast, and you could do what you wanted. Um, you know, and when you're in the moment and in the story, you don't feel like you're stripping. You know, mm-hmm. it's... There's but you should have been out. In the, you should have been out in the audience, though. Okay, <laughs> it's like that moment when all of the clothes came off. I can remember because I knew that it was going to happen. Uh-huh. So you know, it was amazing that because I saw it at the Fox, and I was amazed at how many people got up and walked out. Yeah. Mm. And I thought, well, they knew it was going to happen. That's what I said. I said, come on, you knew this was going to happen. So now why all of a sudden the righteous indignation, right. you know, it's like, oh, they're nude, you know, and it's like, you've never seen that before? No. Okay. <laughs> or if you knew that was going to happen, why did you show up? Yeah. yeah. Because the nude scene happens once is at the very end of the first scene. 
So guess first what? Act, yeah. That's it. The fir- you're right. The first act. You knew that. That, that was what was going to happen. So I really kind of steeled myself for it, you know? And then when it happened, it was kind of, because I was young the first time I saw it, it was kind of like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember my father came to see it, and I was a little nervous about that. But when, when I came out for act two, he had left. And I was... Uh, a little bit devastated, but when I talked to him afterwards, it was not the nude scene. That didn't bother him at all. It was the um, the politics and the religion. He was very Republican and very Catholic at the time, and he was upset by those kind of things. And I'm I'm fine with that. You know, it's it's a very jarring show. Yes. <laughs> so, so we're gonna we're gonna come back to you. Want to kind of get Andrew in here a little bit? Uh, oh, Andrew, you're the associate producer at Correct. Stages. Yes. Yeah. All right. And a, a very young guy for to be a producer type. Yeah, and I noticed here on your on your notes that he was bitten. He was bitten in in first grade, huh? I, he was, <laughs> I was. I've it's never a heard this story. kind of yeah. uh, bug before. It's called an acting bug. The it, acting bug. Yes. Is that like the stink bug? You know. Uh, <laughs> there are days. Yes. Yeah. There are definitely days. Yeah. Can be. No, I was a. Uh, playing Santa in our Christmas pageant in kindergarten and uh, I'm standing on stage middle of the stage in my Santa Claus costume and my mom sitting front row starts to notice that I'm uncontrollably like scratching myself and I was given horrible hives from the costume oh my. was rushed off taken to the emergency room they had to send a teacher on with the script um, and so from that moment there was no turning back if you can survive that then you found your true calling <laughs> Wow. So he really was bitten by the bug. Uh, there was something. Yeah, that was, yeah for, for real there. Yeah. So you you enjoyed the theater. I do, yes. And went to university, yeah. Bradley University? I went to Bradley University in Peoria, and I was a theater performance major there. Okay. Yeah, I started, I came back to St. Louis and was an actor for a number of years here in the city. Um, but then my job at Stages just kept growing and growing, and then you got to make choices. Of... So, so you're a St. Louis guy, too? St. Louis, born and raised, yes. Okay, so we won't ask you the question, so don't but worry about Webster. it. Yeah, we really don't want to know what high school you went to at all. That's fine. Don't ask, yeah. Okay. Well... Francis Hell. <laughs> The original. Oh, the original. Oh, the original, oh, the original yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. So how do you move from a acting stage to a production stage to a producing kind of thing? Because there those are different kinds of roles. Yes. And explain the difference of those roles and how you transition between those. Sure. So I love acting. That's what I studied in college. It was one of my favorite things in the world. Still love it. it I'm sure there'll be a, a opportunity that pulls me back on stage at some point. But there was one point I remember where I, I took an internship with Stages. That's how I started in 2012. And I started learning. It was the Apprentice for Theater Leadership, which was this 360 degree view of the administrative side of a theater. And I went, I want to learn what that is. I have no idea what goes on. And so in taking that opportunity, I started seeing that there are so many people that get that curtain call, and that's a beautiful thing. And then there's those lovely designers and directors, but then there's this whole office somewhere where you get to provide the support and the the background and safety and funding for this, these shows. And you are really an integral part of making theater happen just as much as the people on stage. And I thought that was a beautiful thing to interact with those people that spend their lives going to the theater and supporting and giving their money to see shows. I love getting to be involved and getting to know those people and making every opportunity and experience they have at stages or wherever better. 
Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. That is. And, you know, I learned that when I the first time I ever interviewed Allison Felter mm-hmm. um, at Opera Theater St. Oh, Louis. Oh, yes, yeah. And she told me, it's almost like you're saying the exact same thing that she said. You know, we don't realize all that goes on behind the scenes. We see the actors and the actresses. But if you were to think about all of the the myriad of people that are involved in a play, you know, like you said, from the seamstress and the designers, the set designers, the light lighting technicians. Yes. You know, just the, the, the orchestra, how often they have to practice in order to make sure that it all flows. The 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 the, the the script writers, oh, yeah. the the young apprentice who walks around with the copies of scripts and hands them to people, people to go get the water, the runners. I mean, just so many it people takes a are village. involved. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And there's, then there's the village of the office side, too. Your marketing team. Your marketing. Your, your that's fundraising, right. your finance, your box office, the people selling tickets. Those are the first people you meet from the, a theater that, company. That is so true. Yeah. And if you have a bad experience at the box office, it just colors everything else that happens so much. that evening. I love our box. I mean, we you have... get there and it's like, I, I can pick up my tickets, please. And then the tickets aren't there. Yeah. Isn't that, that's how, oh, okay, sure. That's, uh, this is a different day now. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. The box office people are so. They're the front line. They're the front line. Mm-hmm. You are right. They're like the driver on the bus. <laughs> I'll give a yeah. shout out to our box office director, Candy Hageman. She's the Absolutely. best. Absolutely. She's the, one of the hardest working people I know. Uh, and she, I, I love the stage's box office. Every staff member in there is. They're the people. They're yeah. the heartbeat. Yeah, and yeah. they understand that when you get there and you're excited, and then all of a sudden something happens, your tickets aren't there, or they're not in the, you know, that that can really be a very devastating thing at the moment. But they tend to make you feel, and I've noticed this about front box people, they make you feel like it's okay. Oh, yeah, we'll fix it. We'll fix we it. We got you. We got you. Yeah. And that's a good feeling because so often, you know, we live in the land of no, you know, where it's always like, uh, honey. I don't see tickets here with your name on it. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a you problem. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're dressed up. You better go eat dinner somewhere. <laughs> Without reservations. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> so as, as associate producer, tell us a little bit about the day-to-day kinds of detail things that you do. Because people see associate producer and they're like, well, what what the heck does that person do? Sure. So I uh, oversee a number of our teams on the administrative side. I like to say that my life revolves around the administrative facet of the organization. So I oversee our development slash fundraising team, our marketing team, finance, box office, uh, the admin team at the office. I work a lot with the administrative team for our academy that we have. Mm. Our, we do t- teach a lot of classes for students year round, thousands of students here in St. Louis. And then I also work with our board of trustees quite a bit. And so as the liaison between the board and the artistic team um, it's a big job it's it I like I said I started as an intern and I'm so thankful that now I have uh, my favorite part of my job is representing the people that work at stages I love getting to protect them help them speak for them uh, and just do the best I can to make their lives better because they're dedicating their time every moment of their days to our organization so whatever I can do for them that's what it's about you know, I love the fact that you started as an intern um, because that means that you saw it from the ground level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you were the guy who was there late at night cleaning out the toilet. <laughs> you know, and you that worked. That may have happened. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does happen. You know, but you worked your way up, and the fact that you saw every step along the way gives you the greater compassion now to do the work and to Thank and you. to appreciate 
every person who is there. Oh, immensely. I, I was very lucky. I was kind of... Um, attached to Jack Lane from day one, our executive producer at Stages. Jack and I work pretty hand in hand together on everything. And I remember he walked into, we, we do a family theater show every year for families uh, sponsored by Emerson. And I designed the study guide for it my first year when I was still in my internship. And and Jack comes in with his serious office face on into our suite. And he goes, he has it in his hand and he goes, who did this? And I went, oh, today is my last day at Stages. <laughs> and he And I go, I did, and he goes, it's fantastic, come to my office. And we've been attached at the hip ever since, so it's been crazy. That's cool, yeah. that's cool. That's a great story. He's, he's, I've worked with him here at Stages. He just lead produced a show uh, called The Prom on Broadway, and I was a co-producer on that. That was my first uh, Broadway experience, working on a Broadway show hey, this congratulations year. Congratulations on the uh, honor that you got. Thank nominated you. for Tony Award, but yes. you also got an award. It's the... The Drama Desk. We won right. the Drama Desk for Best Musical, right. which was... That's big deal. It was big a huge deal. deal. And being at the Tonys was a lot of fun. It was a cool night. And lots cool of night. St. Louis involvement in that production. So much St. You know, St. Louis, the theater world here is so vivacious. It really is. And it's just a stellar community of, I mean, 30 plus professional theater companies right here in this city. There is always something in the arts for people to go see. There are so many wonderful shows playing right now. We've got Man of La Mancha at Stages. We've got Angels in America Part 1 and 2 at The Rep. Shakespeare in Love at Insight. There are incredible productions that are happening here that people need to get out and see. Yeah. But Man of La Mancha first. Shameless plug. And second. (laughs) (laughs) And Zoe, my question for you relates now to your course line, because I think Uh how you became a dancer, where'd you learn to sing? Were you taking dance lessons all the way along? I did. When you were Um, growing up and voice lessons, or did you just kind of develop that or take some private lessons? Or, Well, I started dance when I was three. My sister was already taking dance so that was just kind of a thing we did mm-hmm. um so i really I, I guess that's where i wanted to be a dancer um, my father was a musician and a singer so we always sang at home mm-hmm. um halloween oh halloween was <laughs> my household didn't get to tell jokes we had to sing three-part harmonies you know? <laughs> Which some neighbors loved, but the children behind us hated. Uh, come on, move along, move along. Yeah, plus you got all the goodies, too. You know? We did get extra <laughs> and goodies. And an encore, huh? But I've always loved to sing. And uh, I would go and audition. My sister became a choreographer, and I would go audition to be in the dancing chorus, and they would always have you sing. And then they'd hear me sing, and then they'd have me read, and... It sounds very weird, but at the time, I'd come home with a role and be disappointed because I just wanted to be in the dancing chorus. (laughs) But I do have that love for dance. So doing Chorus Line was pretty special to me because it is a show about dancers and what do you do when you can't dance. So I've been blessed that I can sing and can act, and I love being a character actress. It's such a great show. It's a very unique special show, and getting to do it with Michael Bennett and and seeing his intention and seeing a lot of the original people. It's enduring. It's, yes. It's coming back to stages next right. year, yeah. actually, next in our uh, 2020 season. Okay. Yeah, okay. it'll open it up. I think I should be Zach. Uh, that makes sense. I think sense. we should yeah. do some role reversals. That's apt. As long as I can be Cassie, then it's, I think we can all right. make that happen. Yeah. Done. I like it. <laughs> right here. You heard it first here, folks. You look good in that color, Andrew. Of course. So do you 
you know, do you go looking for jobs? I'm, 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 this is kind of a question for people out there who are not theater-related people, because the theater-related people who are aspiring, you know, they'll they'll take any role that they can get to get their name out there. Do you have? Did you have an agent? Did you just knock on doors? Did you have contacts that said, "Hey, you need to check Zoe," or did you? throw resumes around did you do a bunch of auditions how did you get that break to kind of get into the business because it's very difficult to break in it is and I am probably not the norm I I've just been very blessed um, when I was touring I became pregnant um, and my husband and I moved back to St. Louis because I didn't want to have kids in New York um, I was actually doing a show on the golden rod I worked wow. there for a couple years yeah when Michael Hamilton came down with his mom and, and saw a show one night and said, hey, I want to start a theater. It was very Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland moment <laughs> for me. Uh, and so I was, that's where I started working with stages from the beginning and then auditioned at the Muni and did stuff at the Rep. But I'm not a good door knocker. I don't audition a lot because I also teach and mm -hmm. I choreograph. And mm -hmm. so I've just been blessed that I audition for these theaters mm -hmm. and and get cast as much as much as I possibly can. And you've done some can. work in Chicago too, right? Is that correct? Um, Michigan. I've Michigan. been okay. um, actually Michigan called me because they had seen some videos of a show that I did at Stages, and okay. they were doing that show, It Should Have Been You. And they contacted me, and at Small World, it turns out that um, the rec director told the artistic director to find this woman named Zoe Vanderhaar, and he's like, wait, I know her. <laughs> and it turns out that I had played his mother at Stages <laughs> in 2000, and he was college roommates with Ed Huvier, who is a oh very, um, very well-known actor at Stages. Um, small world. I love it when all those worlds connect. So that's how I got to the theater in Michigan, and now I've been there four times. I'm going back to do the cake there in the spring. Um, I did uh, Should Have Been You and Bridges of Madison County and... Uh, Dow's House Part Two. I did that there last year. So, how do you transition from? Uh, I'll just just. I'm not trying to be blunt about this, but you know, when you're young, you can play certain roles. Then, when you get older, like we're we're seasoned, you know, the three of us here right now. That's right. Um, the roles change a little bit, or you <coughs> develop into other productions that you maybe you didn't have a chance to play. Is that how you approach that, or is that how things come to you, or? Mine is not so difficult because I've been playing old ladies since high school, so I'm <laughs> I'm finally aging into what? the roles. That Me too. It's been a, a really. You've been playing yeah. old ladies yeah. since you were yeah, in high it's school. Very strange. <laughs> I mean, as a character actress, I, I, it's probably a little different than if I were the ingenue, you know, and then and then aged out of those roles. So I I don't quite have the same problem. Um, I probably have more competition now, though, because now the really? the the actresses that I've been playing their mothers for years might now be oh. in my age characters. So it's like, all right, I used to be the only old lady around, and now, well, that's not nice. Now I'm calling my colleagues old ladies. That's you didn't not name any exactly names. how I meant it to come <laughs> out, but um, I, I just love playing character actresses. It's 
Now, I, I'm gonna, I want to go to, when we come back from the break, yeah. a little bit about landing stages where it is. And there's also performances out in Chesterfield. Is that correct? We have our Performing Arts Academy is out in Chesterfield uh, that serves students pre-K all the way through high school and trains them, trains thousands of students a year in the musical theater arts. Okay. And yeah. I want to want to get into to that uh, particular program because I think it's important that uh, youngsters have who have the interest and the talent to know what do I do with this? You know, how do I develop this? And what are some things I need to do? And I will always ask you the questions, what advice do you, will you give to young budding theater uh, actors and actresses and dancers and singers and things like that? So I just prompt that question and keep that one in your head. Because that's always, I, I always find the answers interesting. And some of them are, are very similar. Uh, some of them are a little different, but I'll be interested with your take on that when we come back from the break on that. So we've been talking to Zoe Vanderhaar, who is, uh, I would say, the deanus of actresses <laughs> in St. Louis. That's right. And Andrew Kuhlman, who's associate producer of stages here in St. Louis. You're listening to Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. This is KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Jamming time here at Intune. Welcome back with we Kelly Ward. We are jamming. Hey. I know. Too bad our radio friends couldn't see what we were doing. Oh, with, my gosh. But our Facebook friends were getting into it with us. This carpet and the rugs all spun up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe Vanderhaar and Andrew Kuhlman here in studio from the production of At Stages St. Louis of Man of La Mancha. And we were talking off air with uh, Andrew about uh, one of the large moments and I know there's no pun intended no, no. I, I wasn't, I wasn't going there with that but it's been it was a very important part in his life that occurred in 2016 and Andrew why don't you fill our our listeners in sure um so the the gentleman the Facebook live people are seeing right now is uh very different than who I was for a, a long time in my life I was always a a big guy and I, at my biggest I got up to actually I weighed over 600 pounds, 619 pounds to be exact. Um, and then one day in 2016, when people that you love and you know they love you, one of them actually, this lady right here, um, when those people start expressing concern for the state that you're in, you got to start listening to it because love is the only language that really matters. Um, and so I remember I would, I, I would first, I got frustrated. I hated that people were talking about it. I was like, yeah, I'm big, but I'm tall and I can hold this. And <laughs> That's right, I'm tall. yeah. And you know, you come up with a lot of those excuses and I went, I went to a doctor's office and thought I'll go talk to this nutritionist and get people off my back. And I honestly thought I weighed about 450 pounds. And when I saw the scale say 619, I said, can you please give me a minute? And the nurse left and I, I took a moment and kind of, I, I cried right there. And I, I just, I took a second and I started a diet that day. I, I started a diet that day, a lifestyle change. Um, and I've lost in a little over a year and a half. I actually got down to my goal weight and then just through diet and exercise. And then um, in January, I had surgery to remove some extra skin that I had left over. And I repeat that phrase that you used uh, uh, <laughs> sure, on yeah. the break about yeah. that. I like, I like to say that when you have a bag of groceries, <laughs> you can take the groceries out, but the bag's still there. <laughs> And you have to do something with the bag. And so this January, uh, 
I got rid of the bag and it felt really good. It was nice, yeah. But you said it was how many pounds worth? Uh, it was 22 pounds of extra skin that they removed, actually. Dr. C.B. Boswell right here in St. Louis. He was the best. Isn't that amazing? And yeah. to look at you, you know, I never would, would have guessed that, but... One of the things I want to say that really, really ruminates with me is your joy, your zest for life. Oh, thank you. You know, you just come across, you're very infectious in that, that it's like, I want to be around him. Oh, thanks. You know, That's I, so nice of I you. I want to be around yeah. Zoe too. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you do have a, a, a way of demonstrating your gratitude for how your life has has evolved and changed. I don't, you know, there I've been extremely I, I consider myself lucky in a lot of regards. I work full time and live a life supported by the arts and the arts in St. Louis. And that does not happen a lot. And right. I have so many people to thank for that. The actors at stages, my boss Jack. Um I also have these people that I I love and they love me who have who said things or gave me looks to make me think, okay, this has gotten to a place where I need to change things around. Um, and you do that, and it's a hard journey, it really is, but it's worth every second of it because you're not just doing it for yourself, you're doing it for those around you that that impact you as well. Um, it's And I don't think I would be in the place I am today had I not lost that weight, had I not, uh, oh, I see, I don't like the phrase losing weight though. I say releasing weight, because when you lose weight, when you lose your car keys, you gotta find your car keys again. <laughs> That's right. But when you release something, <clears throat> it is gone. And, and I believe it's so much more, it's a mental journey just as much as it is a physical one. It's about deciding I'm worth this, mm -hmm. um, which is a really hard thing to do. And it takes time. Well, kudos to you on yeah, you. telling Absolutely. that story. And folks, you may want to check our Facebook page out at Radio 63119 and, and pick up this interview on Facebook uh, after the show. But because uh, some of the off-air stuff is actually very heartwarming. It's Some of it's very funny, but, uh, <laughs> but it's very heartwarming also and, and encouraging. That's why we wanted Andrew to, to make uh, that statement. Now, uh, I wanted, wanted to go to the academy and... Mm -hmm. That academy is for what age level? And Zoe, are you involved in the academy? And 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 Andrew, talk a little bit about that. Well, I'll let both you tag team off that a little sure. bit. Sure. You want to talk about the academy? Yeah, I'll give the brief uh, synopsis, but then we got to talk about how great of a teacher you are. Um, so the academy is actually celebrating its 15th anniversary this year, wow. which is really exciting. But the academy is designed for students pre-K all the way through high school. It's housed at our main administrative and education building in Chesterfield, the Kent Center for Theater Arts. And it teaches kids in a variety of different ways, um, all about the performing arts, classes in acting, dancing, singing, private lessons, productions, performance groups they can be a part of. Um, and that's all right there in Chesterfield. And then it goes beyond. Uh, theater accessibility is something that I'm extraordinarily passionate about, as is stages. So we have these two incredible programs. One is called Access the Arts, and it is designed to give theatrical opportunities to students with physical, cognitive, or developmental delays. And then we have a program called Urban Arts Initiative, which goes into schools where theater funding has either been severely restricted or completely eliminated, and we will put theater programming and training into those schools at no cost. Wow. It's extraordinarily important to us to make theater a part of everyone's life if, if they want it there. Um, and I love it. And Zoe has, Zoe has taught with us many times and, and in some of our urban arts initiative programming too. Yes. And right now I, I work for the outreach program. So I go 
to various schools and direct and choreograph shows when they don't have uh, theater programs in their schools. That is absolutely, I mean, to me, that is just amazing to hear that because we do know that art and especially acting and production work draws people together. It brings, it doesn't separate, it doesn't divide, it's a unifier. And to see those kinds of things taken out in our school systems, you know, is negating. It is devastating when they start to take out music and art and drama and those types of human human arts, as Mm -hmm. I always call it. I love that. That's a great phrase. Mm -hmm. You can see the difference, really, in, in the students. I think to have those kinds of things are... They bring people together. I, I'm a thespian, and I think about all the time when I went into my thespian induction at school. And it, and it really was one of those things where the whole school was really involved right. in it because, you know, we had to pull these little pranks and do these little things, and everybody knew. I was, yeah. Troop 1917, right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can remember they used to make us, um, the, the thespians, they used to make us make these huge chocolate chip cookies that were like the size of a pizza. I and would so, like one of those. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. And so we had to make one of those, you know, in order to give to the regular thespians as a way of showing that we were grateful for them accepting us. But then on the other hand, every time we ran into them in the hallway, we had to shout out to the top of our voice, I am a lowly, dirty, <laughs> scum of the earth thespian candidate. What? And here's your stupid chocolate chip cookie, dude. <laughs> that, that's very Shakespearean. <laughs> yeah, ours didn't get that severe. Yeah. yeah, we were severe. We were here at Webster High with Miss Smizer and in the little theater. And I mean, but you know, it How was funny. it was so much fun. Yep. And the whole school knew when we were going through that. Yeah, you're screaming, yelling about uh, you're the lowly thespian and throwing cookies at people. <laughs> Now let's talk about the production of Man of La Mancha, which most people will think of. And when I think of that, I think of Peter O'Toole, mm-hmm. and and uh, that Zoe, you're the housekeeper I in am that. The housekeeper, yes. And so, what what is, how is this Man of La Mancha different than what people might think from the movie? I know you. It's kind of got a little different spin on it because people know it from you know the Impossible Dream sure. and. Well, I will say. Peter O'Toole is an amazing actor, but our Don Quixote sings really, really well. Because so Peter O'Toole doesn't sing. Uh-huh. I didn't say that. Um, O'Toole Estate, please don't come after me. No, um, you know, the, the special thing about this production is that Stages has created a world on stage that is inhabited by some of the best actors in St. Louis and from New York. Um, it also is a scenic design and set unlike anything I've ever seen on our stage before. It's gloriously beautiful. It's stunning. Um, And you get there, and you are just enraptured from moment one to moment end. It is just a beautiful show that... It's a straight through show. There's no intermission. It's about an hour, 50 minutes, um, and it's just straight through. It feels like it's 20 minutes. It flies by. And what I love most about Man of La Mancha and what I love about the way Michael Hamilton, our artistic director, directs is Michael takes a classic musical, something by Rodgers and Hammerstein or a show like Man of La Mancha, and he honors and pays homage to the creators of that show by making it more accessible to a modern day audience, but also knowing that if uh, Mitch Lay and 
Joe Darien and Dale Wasserman were here watching the show, they'd go, yeah, that's my show. It's a beautiful thing. He, he's just a translator of classic musical theater. Because taking, you know, things that have been produced for decades. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, and it's not, not a bad thing, ad nauseum, <laughs> in, in the same vein as the movie, you know, yeah. people are like, oh, okay, you know, there we go. You know, it's the impossible dream again. But when you, when you have to modernize something and give it uh, new eyes, you really look at things through, through a whole other perspective and lens. Yeah, yeah exactly. Lens. And, and to really bring in other people who have never been involved in theater or never seen Man of La Mancha, it's very similar to what Opera Theater does with you know, making you know, the dead white guy stuff. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> no, it was that last, was last, last week. week. Last week, yeah. <laughs> yeah, about the dead white guy composers. Uh, uh, how you take something that's really old and make it fresh and make it so people will, will understand it and, and really enjoy it. So tell us about your role as the housekeeper. How, how have you approached that and, and um, what do you like about it? I like a lot of things about her. She's, uh, well, first of all, we're all prisoners in this dungeon. And my particular character, I've noticed that uh, most of the other Dun- I call them my dungeon mates. Dungeonites. <laughs> because we all choose how we're going to create our character in that dungeon. Um, they're all pretty tough and have been around the block and know how to handle themselves. Where my character and the one of Julie, who plays um, the niece, uh, we're really scared and freaked out by everything. So we're, we're the... We're the frightened women in the corner. And I, I kind of take that into the housekeeper role. Um, she's a little bit nervous. She's concerned about um, about his mental health and that he's seeking the love and that perhaps he might think she is is it, which, <laughs> which I have a hard time keeping a straight face when I sing that every night. Um, but I, I find that uh, she grows throughout the show and that she has found courage. Um, Michael had talked in the process about all of us transforming throughout the show and how watching Cervantes do his little skit, how it would affect us and change our characters. And so I have found the courage by the end of the show to, to stand up, and it's it's what an amazing piece. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure people really remember it a lot I, I know people come and they like i know the song but i couldn't remember yeah. why he was singing it or what exactly is happening and at one point of the story is he singing it right yeah. and and i was in it the last time we did it what was that 14 15 years ago i think so yeah and i didn't really remember i mean i knew we were in a dungeon and i knew we put on a skip but to be honest i couldn't really remember the details and it was really lovely to to re find you know reconnect Mm -hmm. with that story and it's incredibly moving incredibly moving now you guys have uh the boy from oz that's done already yep that started off our season and greece yep and you've got man of la mancha 
And what else after Man of La Mancha? Sure. So Man of La Mancha is actually the grand finale of the 2019 season. And we are preparing right now for 2020. We have been announcing what the 2020 season is just since last Friday. So I can say say it on air. Uh, So in 2020, we'll be doing a chorus line, which uh we've been talking about all day today. Um, And then we'll be following that up with one of my favorite musicals of all time, which is La Cage au Folle. Yeah, if you're a fan of the movie The Birdcage, Yes. This is the musical version, Jerry Herman, masterpiece. It's beautiful. And then we're closing out the season with the biggest hit in stages history. Um, and it is the show that we are most asked to bring back. And it's always Patsy Cline. Oh. And there's this lovely actress named Zoe Vanderhaar who's going to be playing the role of Louise again. Uh, and we cannot wait. It's going to be uh, incredible. That is a great lineup. I, can, I tell you. Yeah, you know, I always and pre, I really have always loved La Cage Fall. Oh, me too. It's one wonderful. It is so heartwarming, so hilarious, <laughs> and very apt. Uh, the story it is just about um, defining family the way you want to define it, and just be okay with that. It's I, I love it. It's a very timely story. And you played uh, that part before, Louise. I did. I've kissed a lot of bald heads and eaten a lot of Twinkies. You haven't kissed mine. I was about to say, get ready, Arnold. There we go. <laughs> Look out. Yeah. I'll make a point Here across it. the table I there. thought she was going to say she'd kissed a lot of frogs. <laughs> That's kind of Louise's thing. She, she walks to the audience and kisses the bald heads. Her sugar bear. <laughs> sugar bear. Yeah. But now, was, that's how Zoe and I really, our friendship struck up during that show was always Patsy Klein because we, we ran it here at Stages and then it transferred and ran at the Playhouse at Westport Plaza for a mm-hmm. long time. And we were always over there. So that's when we learned we love each other. And what do you like about the venue where you're at right now? The theater. Oh, it's wonderful. It's very intimate. Uh, I don't think there's a bad seat in the house. Um, it's just, it's very warm. I, I just... I love the intimacy of it. One of uh, a reviewer in town always calls the Robert G. Rhyme Theater, our space, current space, a jewel box theater. And mm. I love that because she says that when you open a jewel box, every piece of jewelry in there gets to shine individually. Mm-hmm. And when you see a show at the Robert G. Rhyme, everything shines individually and as a whole hmm. from the, your costumes to your set to your actors to your voices to the lighting you notice it all because of the intimacy of that space like 11 rows 11 yeah 377 seats which are oh. almost always sold out we're, we're, that's, that's why we're moving into a new home in 2021 okay yeah. and that will be uh it's the kirkwood performing arts center so we'll be staying in kirkwood um we'll be right in downtown at the corner of taylor and monroe the city of kirkwood is actually building this performing arts center in partnership with us as well as Kirkwood Theater Guild, a community theater in town mm-hmm. that has been around a long time. And it will be a brand new theater, state-of-the-art space with a mezzanine, um, 500 plus seats, a dual level atrium lobby, wow. a black box um, space for other shows, mm-hmm. event space. It's gorgeous and it is, uh, it's the future for us. So wow. we're very, very excited. So you can get more information, folks, uh, stagesstlouis.org, stagesstlouis.org. And the Man of La Mancha runs from now until October the 6th. And you can catch uh, Dulcinella and the Impossible Dream there along with uh, Zoe and uh, see what's going on with, with the work that's happening there. 
at tickets uh, vary in in price or how does that work? Yeah, so we have a um, choice and preferred seats available, um, and so those are we've we've got some availability for Man of La Mancha. It is selling really well, but uh, especially I think after some of these reviews we're seeing that are starting to come in, I think it's going to sell even faster. But I don't know if you guys ever do anything with Facebook or with any call-ins or anything, but I'd love to offer a pair of tickets to somebody that's listening right now. Well, yeah. I think that we can certainly do something like that. Yeah. We've got a lot of people yeah. right now that are listening. So, so if the first person wants to text 314-736-4510. Oh, don't give them that number. No? No. <laughs> no, don't call that number. Too late. Yeah. Redacted. Okay. Well, I'll give you Ellie's number. No, yeah. yeah. No, no. They can actually text me at 314-397-7750. I'm going to give you that again. 314 314- 397-7750 for everyone who is listening or on Facebook. And the keyword is, what's the special word? Oh, oh, to get the, oh, type in quest. 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 Mm-hmm. quest. Go. Let's go with that. Q-U-E-S-T. In case you don't know yeah. how to spell That's uh-huh. right. Well, we always yeah. spell things around here. It first, could be. It yeah, could. first one, we'll do a pair of tickets. There yeah. we go. Wow. Yeah. What a, what a nice thing. We're, we're grateful you guys came in today. It's It's been, it's been a lot lovely. of fun. This was great. Andrew and Zoe, it's been fun to know. And you were actually in the uh, Webster Theater Guild, the, the one down on... Um, yeah. Mike, you are scaring me. <laughs> yes, I started take. I was part of the Webster Grove Theater Children's. That's where I started taking acting classes. Yeah, see, I, it's been oh, fun today, hasn't it? Oh my goodness! This has been yes, great. thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been lovely. Well, let me just one more time let people know that if you would like a free pair of tickets to Man of La Mancha, all you need to do is text us at three one four three nine seven 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 five zero. The word is quest. Q U E S T. Thank you. First one wins. Now, last last thing, I want you guys to quickly give me about a forty-five second answer. What do you recommend to budding theater musical arts youngsters? Don't give up. Follow the dream. Follow the follow your dream. To dream. Uh, dream. Don't take anything personally. <laughs> Just go for it. I would say. Try anything. In my opinion, the best theater artist is a renaissance artist. So whether you think, okay, I'm an actor, try costumes, try props, try set, try stage management, direct, teach, just try it all. And then everything that you do in theater will influence the other areas of theater that you want to. Um, Absolutely. Try it all, because it's all great. Those are great answers, Ellie. Those were very similar to what all the artists and musicians mm-hmm. that we've had on and, and literary people that we've had on, they, they all say very, very similar kinds of things. Well, it's show business, so you learn the business part yeah. of it and uh, you'll go far. And, and that's an important point that you said, it is a business. And we do forget that sometimes, that it is a business and that it must be sustained by our constant uh, support and through the fact that young people come through and that they're continuing to learn. A hundred percent. You have to, uh, I like to use the word grow. I love that word. And it's, but it's, I break it down as an acronym of gain, 
retain and respect, own and win. And that's what you need is you have to find those new people who are going to be the next generation of theater artists while respecting and retaining the people that have made your company what it is today. Mm -hmm. And as long as you own those things together, you're going to win. It's, that's all it's about is making sure that can happen. So grow together and grow far and wide. That's a great philosophy. We've been listening to uh, Zoe Vanderhaar and Andrew Coleman. Thank you guys for coming in today Thank on so Into. Appreciate it very much.